Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Their pitch is a women's football podcast in collaboration with Adidas, who have recently released a new shoe called Predator Edge. And there are four front figures of this shoe, and it's Wendy Renard, Christine Endler, Tony Duggan, and Abby Dahlkemper, who have all gone out on their social media and posted something that speaks to them and possibly also the rest of the world. Mia, which which quote is your favorite and why? Yeah, I think I, I'm sort of in love with the Tony Duggan one because she has, I play for the girl who grew up without opportunities and and then it's impossible, it's nothing. And I really, I like that. What's yours? So I really enjoyed the Wendy Renard one because it says, they told me I will never win a trophy. So I won seven. And I think the message behind that is to not care about what other people tell you and just do your thing. That's how I interpreted it. And I really, really liked it. So we know that there are many people out there that have been waiting for this episode. So here we go. This week's their pitch player is Swedish goalkeeper Sechira Musovic. She plays in the Swedish national team and in Chelsea FC. She was a part of FC Rosengård in the Damalsvenskan for many years and on her resume with that club she has 109 appearances in the Swedish top flight. During her years at the club they won the league title in the name of FC Rosengård in 2014, 2015 and 2019. Since joining Chelsea she has also picked up a few trophies. Here and there, you might say, the WSL league title, the Continental Cup and the FA Cup. Musovic made her national team debut back in 2018 in Algarve Cup when Sweden played and won against Russia 3-0. So she kept the clean sheet in her debut. That's not bad. Since then, she has five appearances with the Swedish national team. You are listening to their pitch, and this is the Sechira Musovic episode. Can you pronounce your name for us? So, for the people out there. For all the people around the world. Zechira Musovic. Zechira. Zechira Musovic. That's like if you want to collect all of the points. But how do you pronounce it in Swedish? Sechira. Because we can't say Z, Z. in Sweden, so we, we use Sechira. It's Tuesday, and we're here with Swedish international goalkeeper Sechira Musovic. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, actually, and we're super happy to have you on. We we usually have a person that um, quotes you or quotes the player that's on here, and 
we we feel like it's a it's a good boost and it makes it fun to to record. So we have a quote here for you, and then you have to guess who it is. Wow. Okay. Zechira. <laughs> yeah. Already good. Already good. Yeah. <laughs> um, is a woman with big ambitions in life, both on and off the pitch. As a goalkeeper, she is very active while playing, and it doesn't matter if it's a training session or a game. She's always extremely present, like here and now, and she always wants to get the best out of every situation. She's good at using her physique, and she's very quick and is good with her feet. I think she's taken big steps in her development the last couple of years. And that she really has the potential of becoming one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world. For me personally, she's one of the most caring and reliable people I know. There's never a boring moment in life with Sessa around. And the talking topics can be a mix from being very serious and deep to be extremely bizarre and funny. That is one of the things I really appreciate with her. XOXO, your scones, buddy. Oh, tricky one. Oh, I, I mean, it's a good friend of mine, but I've, I feel like I have so many good friends in football. But first of all, so nice to hear this, but I don't have a clue who it is. Okay, so if I, if I give, I'm, I'm going to give you some clues. You play with them on the national team. Uh, with them? Okay. No, 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 with her, with her. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, is it Sager, maybe? No. No. Why does that? Why do you make it sound like this is easy? Don't make it sound like it's easy. It's a tricky one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, do I? Uh, they play. They don't play in Dalmatianskan. They play in Europe, but they don't play in England either. Scones. Did, did you oh, hear the last? She said, like, she said "Your Amanda. scones, buddy." I, I, I thought you said scone. <laughs> what? I said scones. Otherwise, I would have guessed it straight away. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I was like, "Oh, it's so easy. She should get this." <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh no. Oh yeah, that's Amanda for sure. That's my best. Scones, buddy. Good Mia. Good Mia for getting oh, <laughs> for <clearing> that up. <laughs> I mean, I, I I work with communication, and I just I just mm-hmm. thought that mm, must be that. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. <sighs> and I'm out. Zechida, we're super happy to have you. As I said, uh, growing up, tell us about how you started playing football. Uh, wow. Uh... I I mean I think like if would if it wouldn't been football it would probably be another sport because I'm a I'm a, a real sports person so but I remember one tournament when I was nine years old a school tournament and there was a coach and he was like hmm she looks tall <laughs> she looks interesting let's let's see if we can get her into our team at least tra- start training with us. So I went for, for the first practice and I was stuck. I was in love with the sport for sure. And it has, has it always been goalkeeping for you? No, I actually started as an outfield player until I was 12, maybe. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I was, I fi- was uh, finding it really hard to, to be a goalkeeper and to end up only being a goalkeeper because I wanted to do both. Uh, but I had some good coaches who kept me in goal, and uh, here I am today. 
But you grew up in Malmö, right? Uh, Helsingborg, actually. Uh, Helsingborg. I was actually, for those listening from Sweden or know the geography from Sweden, I was born in Falun, in Dalarna. And that's uh, far away from Helsingborg. And they speak uh, a whole different than... Uh, than how we do in, in Malmö and in Helsingborg. But uh, yeah, I grew up in Helsingborg and uh, moved to Malmö for a couple of years. What, did you move to Malmö to play football? Because you played for LDB, right? Yeah. So I started playing for LDB uh, in Malmö when I was 15 years old. I started to train with them. And then uh, when I was 16, yeah, that year. And then... I was going in school in Malmö and then, cause then I used, I lived in Helsingborg and I was traveling four to five minutes to training every day. And then I started studying in a city in between Malmö and Helsingborg called Lund. Uh, so I was traveling Helsingborg, Lund, Malmö, Lund, Helsingborg. And then I was like, nah, I'm tired of this. And I moved to Malmö. And you had huge success in Malmö with FC Rosengård. You played 109 games in Dalmarsvenskan. Yeah, I would say I would say I had an awesome career in Malmö and I I really enjoyed my time there. I came there as a as a teenager and I like took some big steps in my life, uh, everything from taking the train by myself to to school and to training trainings and then just to move from home so it was I grew a lot as a person both as a person and uh, as a football player and uh, I'm I'm really really thankful for my time in Malmö and for the people I've worked with there and I and I have friends from from Malmö that I will keep forever with me after staying in that city for so long was it ever a hard decision to go abroad or was it easy I, good question. I like Malmo. I was there for eight seasons. Uh, so Malmo was my comfort zone where I knew everything. I was close to my family. I could go home whenever I wanted. I knew the team. I've been there for a long time. Uh, so yeah, it was, of course, it was a really hard. I mean, it wasn't a hard decision, but it was a tough step to take it was really going out from my comfort zone but i knew that if i want to achieve my goals in the future i need to take this step and i i need to step out of the comfort zone so i I have this cheesy quote in my in my kitchen which is yeah it's really cheesy but it's i think it's so true that great things never came from comfort zones and that's that was how i thought in that decision which made a decision I have like a lot easier. It's kind of like a winner mentality, you know, when people have those quotes where it's like, I don't lose, I learn, which is also like very true. Yeah, I love that quote too. Sorry, I I have to butt in now because I have to ask you something. Yeah, you say comfort zone and, and with the FC Rosengård and all, but you not just left a comfort zone, you left a winning team, like one mm. of the best teams in Sweden. So if we take that into perspective, how easy was it to leave if we think about that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I was, like I said, I played for the Rosengard for eight years. We won 
everything you can win in Sweden. And I, I was definitely leaving a winning team to go to another winning team, maybe on the high stages. So, and which, which also made the transition going into Chelsea much easier because I was, I, I was with the winning team for maybe not fully eight years, but most of the years. Uh, and, and to keep, I think, Rosengard, they they raised me with that winner mentality, in which I'm really thankful for today, and which I can use in different uh, aspects of my life, for sure. And kind of spinning on to the comfort zone, because I know I I thought about this before Mia chimed in. It's uh, was it was it kind of a nice feeling to know that you were moving to London, but you weren't completely by yourself because you had uh, Jonna and Magda were on that. In Chelsea, they were playing for the team. Yeah, I mean, Jonna and Magda, they have had, like, they have been so important for me during my uh, my time here in Chelsea, and just the knowledge of having them in the team before coming here, it's that was a really a really nice feeling to have, and just just a nice feeling to, that you can text someone and be like, hey. Uh, how is this working or when do we need to be in for training and like just those small questions that you're so worried about when you're coming as a new player but like going back to the comfort zone part I think like many people talk about that I'm living my biggest dream with playing in Chelsea but I think what people don't realize sometimes is like yeah it's my biggest dream to move to Chelsea but on the opposite it's like my biggest nightmare to leave my family so there's really two two sides how to say it, two sides of the coin can you say that like yeah it kind of kind of collides with each other exactly exactly and that's that's a part I think many people miss but it's like that's with everything in life you have to you have to pick one and then something else at that time will not be picked. Exactly. And it's important to go with your gut feeling as well. Just continuing on with the club, you, you had a starting position with FC Rosengård and you come to Chelsea and you're the second goalkeeper. How much does that make you want to work for that first spot, knowing that it's not certain that you're going to have it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was the starting goalkeeper in, in Rosengård. The last few years, but before that, I was going through <laughs> a lot to reach that point. And I think, like, uh, I don't know how many goalkeeper colleagues I had during my time in Rosengard when, when I was really questioning, like, okay, when, w- when will it be my turn to get the first spot? So, but that, ha- that is also something that I, has uh, taught me how, how I work in that situation. What are my keys to, to manage to be a second goalie and to work towards being a first goalie? So, um, I think my time in Rosengard has helped me a lot to just to, to prove for myself that everything is possible if you work hard for it. And, uh, it's the same in Chelsea. It's like the same mentality. I don't, I don't feel sad for myself for sitting on the bench. It's like, shut up and work harder. And that's my mentality. I feel maybe when you get something so often as like, when you know that you're certain in the starting lineup, maybe it starts to become like a comfortable thing. But as when you, when you earn your spot, does that make you appreciate it more? Yeah, I would say so. Knowing that you've, you've worked your ass off like this entire time and then 
you know, they're, they're like, yes, since you know, you're, you're in the starting lineup. Yeah, for sure. I would say, I would say it's like without competition, it's not fun. Like I'm so competitive, competitiveness. So I need the competition. I need the challenge. And I think that if I, if I didn't like the challenge, if I was scared of the competition, I wouldn't went to Chelsea. Uh, so, but yeah, when you work hard for it, you have, like, I have the picture in my head of how I want things to turn out in the end of at least. So of course, when you reach that, it's an, it's an amazing feeling and it's, it's like, yeah, I did it. Okay. So you've, you've played five games with the Swedish national team. Um, and you made your, you made your debut in Algarve Cup in 2017. How is it for you to put on the, the Swedish jersey? First of all, it's like five, uh, I'm really proud of the five games, but I think it also shows how, how tough of a life of a goalkeeper can be sometimes. I think I've been to 3,500 camps and uh, made five camps, but I'm, I'm extremely proud of them and I'm extremely proud every time I put the Swedish jersey on. So. It's a it's a childhood dream to play for Sweden, and I think, for, and with that being said, I think first it's firstly it's like okay, yeah, it's my one of my dreams to play for my country. Secondly, it's like my family they came they came from Bosnia, left everything behind them, fed the war, and Sweden welcomed them them with open arms into their society. So that's. That's also uh, another another thing that I like. Some way, in some way, I want to show my thankfulness towards Sweden as a country and as a whole. That it's like, like just thank you for welcoming my family and being the best possible country. So I'm proud in many different ways. I would say it's not just just. A dream for me. What's your favorite part about like being in the national team? Do you have a favorite game that you've played or? I would just say that the best part of being a part of the, of the national team, it's the, it's the culture we have created within that team, like where everyone can feel uh, secure, where everyone can play their role. And uh, yeah, just to be a part of such an amazing group of people, both on and off the field. And, where where everything is possible, I think we have shown that during the last few years uh, in different tournaments. So I really enjoy playing for the national team and to be a part of the of the best people within the game in in one team. And I spoke to somebody today actually, and we talked about how this might be kind of like the golden generation of you know this team that's right now. You know, you've, you've taken so many medals and I mean, it's just number two on the FIFA ranking and it's a lot of good things that are happening to the Swedish squad right now, or you guys are making it happen. How is, you know, and that kind of also adds to the fact that you say, I have five, I have five international caps. I'm very proud of them. At the same time, that shows how hard it is to get into the squad. Mm. to even you know get into it and you guys are how is it to you know this person describes it as the golden generation would you also say that this is probably the best the national team has ever been i think it's it's the the results from work that we have been putting into for a long time period 
I would say, which I'm extremely thankful for that when I, uh, when I used to play for the youth national team, that was also a group of players who were amazing. And we reached uh, the gold in the under 19s Euros. So I think it's just the work we have been putting into the, into Swedish football for a long time. And, uh, yeah. I don't know if I would say this is the golden generation because I feel we have so much more to give. Perhaps maybe a medal in the Euros that's coming up 2020, a golden? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we have a great squad and I think we have uh, created something really exciting. And I think even if we reach the silver medal in the Olympics, I think we have more to give. And I I, I can see it from from all of the players that we, we want more. We are not satisfied with with the silver, even if we are proud of it. But so no, I'm really excited to see how we are going to do it. But from one thing to another, social media strategy. <laughs> I don't know if you've changed your picture, but at one time you had a photoshopped picture of you in the kitchen and a lot of, you know, like there was a, it said you're not a professional footballer in your bio, um, which is, I mean, I, I thought it was hilarious, but how come you've gone with, you know, that kind of route? Oh, wow. I think I'm a person who loves the sarcastic jokes. Uh, and I think, I think that some people are being way too serious about some things. So it's just nice to, to joke around a little bit sometimes and just to create a, a nice atmosphere for people to be in where there's not, where things are not so rigid and old fashioned and, you know, it's just nice to spice it up with a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> I love it. Chelsea fans really seem to appreciate it because. You've definitely become a fan favorite over time, <laughs> which I've seen on social media. So it's very nice to see. Oh, no, my Chelsea family. I love them. They have welcomed me with open arms and I think they're amazing. I um, I wasn't expecting them to be so nice to me. And I'm really, I'm really happy about it for sure. They probably weren't expecting such a funny goalkeeper on social media as well. I mean, I look quite boring, so. <laughs> and we also promised to cut out the boring parts of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've had my own person in this podcast to cut out the boring parts. So I only, uh, so people can see me as the most funny person on earth. Which is also true. Sarcastic again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but you're a goalkeeper. Why? Why a goalkeeper? Because you did say that you played out on on the field. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's a, it's such a hard question. I mean, I have different answers every year, <laughs> so I don't I don't know. I think just I think it like goal, being a goalkeeper is so black and white and I think I love it I think you I love the fact that you know that either you have been really good or you have messed up um and I just like to be like I like the responsibility that comes with it so I think that's that and I I like to be like it feels like a position where you take care of your team and I love that I love to take care of my team. I love to take care of my teammates. It's like, yeah, of course, it's nice to dive around and make those big saves. But I think when I enjoy my game the best, I think that's 
that is when my teammates in front of me are performing well because they know they have a keeper they can rely on. That's the best feeling in the world, for sure. And and you see that because and I, it kind of made something click with me because last game I watched Chelsea played against, I don't know, but you guys played against in the WSL last, was it Manchester City? Manchester City. And I could hear you on the sideline through my TV just yelling and you were like, just yelling in Swedish <laughs> to I, I I guess Jonna and you were like bro, Jonas, shit. I'm like and that was just like and you know I had to I had to go back to it and I was like she's on the sideline and she's out there and she's just taking care of her teammate and like giving feedback and you're doing it in Swedish <laughs> and I was like that's incredible yeah I don't know I don't know I just love when my nah. I just love to help people. I don't know. It's just a nice feeling to know that you that you can like to have the ability to help. Like that's that's a win for me, I would say. And also to be able to say it in Swedish when nobody understands except Amanda sitting home on her couch listening to the TV. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's even better. Maybe Filippo and Lot on the opposing team ah, as yeah. well. <laughs> That kind of wraps up my section. We're going to go into football analysis. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now we're really going to talk football and goalkeeping because I, we we actually need to say this as well. You're the first goalkeeper on here. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how is that positive or negative. <laughs> It's very positive because I feel like my part it will be a bit different for me this time yeah. to, yeah, to, I mean, it, the questions need to be asked in a different perspective. <laughs> uh, I actually met, um, the Swedish national head coach, uh, Peter Jaradsson in May last year. And then he, he talked a lot about, uh, players being tactical, tactically flexible and it, that he kind of liked that um, way of looking at football but then when it comes to goalkeeping it feels like you are where you are uh, you, you can't move around too much because that would be bad mm. um, so can you really in your opinion can you apply the world uh, the, the world the word word flexible uh, at being a goalkeeper and what does it mean? I would say, like you're saying, we're not switching position, even if I love to be a, a forward sometimes <laughs> and I will quickly adapt to it. You can let Peter Gerhardson know that. Uh, no, but I think it's more about maybe being mentally flexible. Can you say that? And to adapt to different situations, different environments. Because uh, I think the mental aspect of the goalkeeping position is is huge. So I think like that's where you 
need to be flexible if you want to reach the highest level. So that would be my question on that. Do you ever feel like in from the position you play, do you ever feel alone? Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, <laughs> a goalkeeper is a is an individual sport within the team. For sure. Uh, it's a different position. It's a weird position and it's a totally different way of thinking. I think from an outfield player. Um, so yeah, I would say sometimes you feel alone, but I think you need to feel, how do you, how do I say that? You need to work individually to reach the best teammate you can be for the whole team. So not alone in terms of, oh, I, I need people around me. More like I need to do my part individually so I can help the team in the best possible way. Yeah, I mean, because for me, when I watch a football game, I think that, you know, the attacker is the first defender off the ball. And if they're not doing their mm -hmm. job, you are going to have to no like clean up the mess if you know what i mean mm. uh, and we mm. often don't speak about that because like you said yourself in the beginning that as a goalkeeper you can either walk from a game feeling that you have been very good or sometimes being very bad but like that perspective as well because the people in front of you if they haven't done a good game that's going to affect you mm. yeah i think it's a I think many, many coaches, many players, like many people in general are, are talking about clean sheets, uh, big saves, being like individual awards. But for me, it's like it's a team sport. And if I'm not having good defenders, I would not keep the clean sheet. If I don't have good attackers as doing the, the first press right, I will not keep the clean sheet. Like, okay, I can keep one or two clean sheets, but it's like in long term, I will not reach anything without my team. So, and that's what I evaluate the most. It's like the team performance we are putting in. If that's good, I'm happy because that will make me reach my individual goals long term. So I think without the team, you're nothing. You can be good one or two games, but that's not what I'm aiming for. So if you, with your own words now, this, this question, everyone says it's so hard to answer, but let, let's give it a shot here. Uh, with your own words, describe your role and position out on the pitch from how you look at yourself as a player. Because, I mean, the role and the position is two different things for me. I would say, like, I think my role and being the first player that sets the tone. Can you say that? Because oh, yeah. I think, especially in the beginning, like in the build-up game, it's like the goalkeeper sets the tone. Is the goalkeeper stressed, then the whole team will be stressed because you're you're showing that to the whole team. So that's a huge part and a huge role that you have that you need to fulfill if you want to be a good goalkeeper. Then I think for me personally, I think communication communication is key. Uh, and that doesn't have to be always verbally. It can be body language. It can be just to read your, for example, backlines, body language. Okay. How are they acting? 
are they looking stressed that I need to be the opposite if I need to help them in the best possible way. So that's also a, a massively important word, I would say, communi- communication. And the third, well, I would say confident. Be it to be someone who, who your people, who your players can rely on and to, when they look back, they're like, okay, we have a goalkeeper that's confident, that know what she's doing. That's taking the right decisions that she thinks it's right. Cause sometimes it's like 11 players out there. We all have different, uh, different uh, ways of looking at things, but I think that you need to be, and that actually includes every position. You need to be confident on what you're doing to spread the, the calmness in the team. And to go back to that, you set the tone. So I would say those three things. So since you started the goalkeeping, do you feel like, mm. I mean, often I, I think that we talk a lot about, oh, this is the modern midfielder. This is the modern number nine, uh, like sort of thing. Do you, do you think that mm. the role uh, as, as a goalkeeper has changed in the way you are providing to, to the game since you started? Mm. Like, uh, is it more, of the fact now that you must be a part of the build-up from the back more? And do you think that this has changed since you started? Yeah, I think adaptability adaptability is uh, so important in the game, both from (laughs) a coach's perspective, but also from a player's perspective. And I think like what makes you the best player is that you have this like what you're a specialist on. But I think as a goalkeeper, if we look at goalkeeper, goalkeeping like 10 years back, it was more about saving the balls when standing on the line. But today it's not like that. Like teams are looking for opportunities to, to attack better, to defend better. And I think the goalkeeping position is a crucial role within that. Uh, change. So I think, for example, in the, in the offensive game, like the goalkeeper is often the spare player, uh, in the build up. And then you need to be good with your feet. Um, defending wise, I think if you want to stand high with your backline, then you need to have a goalkeeper who can, who can uh, go out and play a little bit higher, uh, like almost a sweeper. So, for sure that I've improved those things and especially being yeah first in Rosengard who's has been a, a winning team for such a long time you need to to have something else than just saving shots because you will maybe save one shot each game the rest of it will be a uh, ball on your feet or yeah to help your team get out of tight uh, situations speaking of that do you work uh, a lot on your, like, tac- the tactical aspects of the game as much as you do with the, the technical parts and, and the physical parts? I would say that the, the, the technical parts and the physical parts are bigger than the tactical, at least in my case. But I will also add that the mental part, I think that's the, that's the part who's, which is a little bit more important for a goalkeeper because I think that's 
yeah, 80% of the game. It's uh, the mental part. So, but tactical, yeah, of course they will look at the tactical part, but that comes in all trainings, I think. And even like coming from Sweden, that's something that you work on from youth age. So that's something that you hear <laughs> all day, every day. So even if you don't think about it, you're working with the tactical bits all the time, all the time. You, you, you learn how to see different things and how to, you can adapt quickly on the pitch and solve different problems, which is also a part that I love to, to solve problems, to help solving them. So, and then you need to be tactical, tactically skilled. Sure. Yeah, and this is something we have noticed uh, since started this podcast that people around the world are very interested in knowing the differences between leagues playing wise. So, being a goalkeeper in the Damalsvenskan, what was the most important ability to have when you were in Sweden? Mm. Do you think for yourself? For yourself? I don't know. It's a tricky. It's a tricky question. I think. I think I see many similarities between. Uh, playing in Malmo and playing in Chelsea, but I think that's more because it's a, they are teams that most often have uh, possession on the ball. Uh, and that's where you need to be good on your feet, for example. But I don't know if I can, it's a really tricky question. I don't know if I can point something out that I, you need to be better at playing in Damasvenskan versus playing in the WSL. But I, But also for me as a person, I will always want to improve everything. So uh, like if I'm not satisfied with one part of my game, I will improve that rather to than adapting to the to the league and and how they're playing. It's like I see my own flaws and I try to to correct them as quick as possible and to work on, on them uh, to, to have them as uh, good bits instead. What do you feel like you have improved the most uh, with in your role as a goalkeeper from your move? I would say consistency that I've uh, like we're working so much with details. So it's like like details that people who is not into goalkeeping, they were they would never thought about. Tell us one detail now. We want to know. God, it's like, so when you're, when you're moving from one side to another, the side step, it's like how you take your steps. It's like you move your one leg in front of the other rather than taking it behind. It's like so complex and it's so, uh, nerdy. <laughs> we like nerdy thing on this podcast. <laughs> That's why we're yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. I can, we can take another episode just about goalkeeping details. Yeah, it's like, goalkeeping we nerd. can talk. Yeah, exactly. We could talk about them for so long, but that's also where I have the, the best coach possible. I think in my goalkeeper coach, Stuart, who was like all into details. And I think he has given me a whole other, view of goalkeeping and how you can look at different stuff and how like people see a big save people see a big save in the top corner but if you if you take that down into all the details and so much hard work you need to put into to make that save it's like wow it's a complex story for sure what what is one detail that could change a whole game for a goalkeeper 
if you talk about details that way, what could be the difference between winning and losing? It's like where you put the balance on your foot. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to think about this. It's now. like, are you front footed or are you back healing? So you can't really affect the game or affect the ball or you can't push off. It's like, that's actually a, a, a huge detail. I'm actually impressed by yeah, myself you that see, I got it that fast. We're moving. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to yeah. watch you very close oh, now, from now on. Yeah. Uh, do you have a preferred formation? Can you have that as a goalkeeper? What what differs for a goalkeeper playing with a back four or back three? Mm, I mean, I like... Uh, we spoke a little bit about the modern goalkeeper being more... <clears throat> with a higher position um, playing more with your being more involved in the attacking play and I would say playing with a back three that gives you less space to be a modern goalkeeper because you have more in the in the central back line who's affecting those area areas that you want to affect playing on the other hand playing with a back four I would say that you have two center backs who will give you the space to work in between them in the build-up play and to be uh, maybe the sweeper behind them because you don't have three centrally that will just do all the defending bits. <laughs> so, yeah. You can defend as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, then we move on to the fans' questions. Uh, and they are plenty, I can tell. So, Amanda, are you with us again? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm here, listening, laughing. <laughs> so this is not you making up all the questions. It's like this fan asked us this. No. Okay, good to hear. Yes, we're gonna name them. So some of them you might actually know who they are. Okay. I don't know if you've seen them on social media, yes. you might know who they are. But we're gonna start with with Twitter. We're gonna start with Dean Mears. Oh, I know that guy. As a former. He says, very bad goalkeeper. I'd love to know about the level of ana analysis for professional goalkeepers. Do you know before a game which part of the goals that strikers are most likely to shoot? Uh, yeah, I would say it's a, it's a big part and it's a big part of the preparations for different games. Um, we'll look at the attackers. We'll look how they score. Uh, if there's some, like, some traits that you can see more often than others. So yeah, that's for sure that we're working with that. Uh, I'm a goalkeeper and a person who doesn't like to look at it too much because I know it, everything can change and everything can happen in football. So I, I like to go on, uh, on my, uh, uh, to let the muscle memory work and to, and to let the automatic behavior do the saves. So it's a mix. But uh, the possibilities are there from our from our uh, tactical stuff, and they will always provide us with everything we want, with all the numbers and all the clips and everything that we need. Have you ever taken a shot to the face or stomach or other body parts that made you even slightly hesitate to stand in the goal again, or do you have no problem shrugging it off? And being ready to go again instantly. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would say, yes, I've taken some uh, hits uh, all over my body. So uh, that's for sure. Uh, we can tick off that box. Um, questioning me being a goalkeeper because of that, no. I would say no, yeah. But actually one person 
said to me uh, early in my career, he said, I think you're too smart to be a goalkeeper to take those hits. And that always like motivated me to be like, well, you know what? I will take those hits and I will be proud of them. And I will show you that I may be smart in some parts, but I'm not too smart to be a goalkeeper. So, but uh, yeah, you need to be a little bit, a little bit weird to take those hits, but I can take it. I can take it. Twitter, Ovals Stramir. Yeah, sorry. I decimated that. Um, when I was a keeper in my youth, I had had a long break from train. If I had had a long break from training, I had to relearn how not to be so cautious and just throw myself after the ball like a madman. Has it been like that for you? And if so, does and if so, does that feeling ever go away? I think after every summer break here in England or the winter break in Sweden, it's like you start to question yourself. Okay, but how do I actually do that dive? It's like, do I even know how to do it? And then you step on the pitch and it's like, it comes fully naturally again. It's, it's no, no weird thoughts about it once you're in it. But I, I get what she, what she means for sure. But I, something that maybe is a little bit interesting is like your body get used to taking the hits from all the landing. So when you have been off pitch for a while and going back again, you, your body is so, so sore the first two weeks uh, after getting back into training. So you have all these bruises on your, on your hips, on your knees and everything. And it's like, it's incredible how your body it's yeah. Used of being a goalkeeper and not being a goalkeeper. It's, yeah, it's super weird. It adapts to the different situations that you're put in. Exactly. Exactly. It adapts. It's like, okay, time to be stupid again. <laughs> Throw myself again. <laughs> this Twitter at will be hard for me to pronounce, but I'll give it a try. At RNDM Burner Act. Um, is asking, what's your thought process as a goalkeeper when being penned in while facing a high press? How do you decide when to pass it short and try to play through or go long and have another wave of pressure come back at you within seconds? Good question, whoever you are. <laughs> I think that's a, that's like with everything else in the goalkeeping position or in like in football, that's a ability that you learn and that you practice on every day and that you get, yeah, there you're being put into those situations on training too. So you learn how to, to take the decision of when to play long, when to play short, to have the courage to play short. Uh, and it's definitely something that we are working on in Chelsea, uh, facing opponents that are high pressing us uh, sometimes. Underscore, it's JJ wants to know who's the toughest opponent in Chelsea training. Oh, good question. Oh, there's so many good players. So, so many good players. Like they're good in different ways. Sam Kerr, like playing against her when she's heading the ball. It's like she's flying. I don't know how, how you're able to, to jump that high. Uh, with her body but it's like impressive then you have Fran Kirby who's curling the ball around you like 
oh god it's so annoying every time you know where the ball is going but still you can't get there because it's just Fran Kirby then you have Erin Cuthbert who's like when she shoots the ball it's like it changes direction all the time so it looks like it's going to one side then the ball changes direction to the other side so it's like uh, she does that really really good so it's Many players that are doing really good. Penilla Harder, like how calmness in front of the goal is like phew, ice cold. But yeah, I could mention so many good players from Chelsea. It's like it's an, an amazing environment to have around you on the on everyday basis. It's like I'm really thankful, and thanks to them, uh, I've become a better goalkeeper keeper for sure. At Meg Heard wants to know. How have you found adapting to life in England? Oh, I love life in England. I was scared at first moving abroad, for sure. Like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, I was like, I was really scared because I was, I don't know where where, where I had my expect, expectations at. It was like, you always hear going out of your comfort zone and playing abroad. It's like a tough environment. Uh, but... I think I uh, I love life here. I really do. I'm enjoying every day every day and I think since London is opening up a little bit more, I think I will enjoy it even more. I came the day before total lockdown, so I haven't actually experienced that much <laughs> of a <laughs> of a life outside football, but it's it's getting better. Dogun Dogunkova Polina at on Twitter. Uh, did you ever take a penalty kick? Mm, yeah, but I would say it was in my youth age. I haven't actually been in that many games where, like, you have the the penalty shootout in lately. Yes, I wouldn't say I've saved some. Yeah, but I don't. No, can't remember taking a penalty on senior level. At Liam Tweet 15R, is there anything you do during matches to stay mentally sharp when you're waiting for your big moment to make a save? Uh, good question. I would say it's something that I learned how to deal with uh, during my time in Rosengard and now in Chelsea because it's that's how the games most often look for us it's like you don't have anything to do and then you have something big to do uh, but I would say like my advice is to or what I'm doing it's like I'm trying to stay involved in the game uh, and if I'm not directly involved I try to put myself into the defender's shoes or a specific player and to to think what I think that they are thinking in that situation. Uh, Crazy Count 3 wants to know, I feel like you've already answered this, but what do you love most about your position? And if you had to choose a different position, where would you play? So I think I answered what I most, what I love the most about my position, but let's talk about what I, which other position I would have <laughs> went with. No, I, I, uh, <laughs> I think I would have went with like a midfielder or something, number nine, maybe. Yeah. 
You want to be a striker. Ah, yeah, maybe a target. Target, not the target player, player. It seems so much fun. Just receiving all the balls and like be like, you go there, you go there. I pass you the ball there. It's like, oh, no, I think I will go with that one. Yeah, far away from goalkeeping. Just to have a like a different, just a switch off. And this is one is coming from Discord and it's from rich.com. Playing with Hedvig Lindahl and Ann-Kathrin Berger, two top goalkeepers, how much have they influenced you so far and how will you differ- differentiate them? I would, yeah, two top goalkeepers for sure. And I think uh, I've had the privilege to work with many different top goalkeepers um, like Sofia Lundgren, Erin McLeod, it's like many, many different really good goalkeepers. Carl Telford, uh, now Ann-Kathrin, Hedvig, Falk. It's like so many different good goalkeepers. Uh, and I think that's, they're just motivating. They are keeping such a high level that they're motivating and pushing me to work even harder to reach their level and to even become even better and so that's the biggest thing about it it's like inspirational environment to be in where we push each other where we keep a high standards where we are really focused on what we are doing so it's it's really good and i'm really thankful for it and and how i would differentiate them too Yeah, I would say, I mean, they're both really good goalkeepers. I don't know how to, I don't know the differences. Like uh, Hedvig has so much experience within the game and she's been through it all. Uh, Ann-Kathrin has it too. But I don't know. It's a, it's a hard question. I don't know if I have a good answer. In that one. No, that was because I was thinking that he would... Yeah, this isn't just my, you know, how I uh, took the question is like he wants to know how mm. you will like be different to them. Aha, uh-huh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure, oh. but it okay, could be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know if I have a, <laughs> a good question on that too, but I think for myself, it's really important that I focus on myself. And even if I have all these good goalkeepers around me who's pushing me every day to do even better. I think that it's so important just to trust my own process and to focus on myself and to be the best version of myself. Because yes, Hedvig Lindahl is an amazing goalkeeper. Ann-Kathrin Berger is amazing goalkeeper. But I don't want to be Ann-Kathrin Berger. I don't want to be Hedvig Lindahl. I want to be the best Zetra Mušević ever. So I don't know. I don't know. It's like I'm just trying to 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 be better than my than myself all the time and to improve myself and to be the be- once again the best version of myself. So we have another question from Discord uh, from Magda which is not uh Magda on your team but I think it's a fan of her. Um and it says 
Do you have a special routine or superstition before you play a big game? I don't know. I would say that I've tried to minimize the superstition <laughs> before games because I don't want to rely on something. Because if it's not there, what would I do then? But, and also, Magda, the, the person who asked the question, it's, she's mentioning big game. And I would say that I'm, I try to treat every game the same and have the same routines before the games. Uh, but what would maybe be something that I don't think is different and I don't think is weird, but for people outside, would maybe think it's weird, but it's like as an outfield player, you try to to warm up your body, uh, to stretch, to to do all these movements. But I think for myself, it's really important to warm up my brain as well. So because that's such a big part of my game, and it's like the, all the decision making, it all comes from the brain. So if the brain is not warm enough it will not be ready to go so that's something that i do before every game it's like i have my routines i have some like lights that pops up and you need to to press them to get the reaction reactions going so that's one thing that i do before which is really not weird for me but i think if you look yeah for an outsider, we'll be like, what are you doing? It's not weird, just very interesting, I think. Like, it's different, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I think that would be, will be very interesting for people to hear. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you think about it, that the brain is such a, a massive part of your play. Because that's also a detail uh, that was spoke about before, like what can change the game. That 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 one wrong decision making can change the whole game, which is also so now now we, now we know yeah. if you haven't pressed the lights before we know yeah we know no I'm trying yeah. to I'm trying to wake up the brain as best as I can sometimes it's with me sometimes it's not but that's life you you need to accept it and go with it and do the best out of the situation every time. We have spoken a little bit about this, but I think it's a very nice way to end this uh, section of, of questions from the fans because this is from the group, Chelsea Women's Supporter Group. What do you think about the fans? I love my fans. That's the simple answer. But uh, I was surprised. I need to say that I was surprised coming to Chelsea. I was so surprised that I didn't even know who I like how do you know my name <laughs> I'm coming from Sweden like that was like they got me there I was in love when I got the song I was like oh god yeah but I I'm, I actually must say before we go to the end section that I do think that English fans in particular are very good at um, like getting the information when um, when the new player joins the, their team they actually mm. do study quite quick mm. and and they ask questions like for us journalists they they come to us straight away oh who's this player scandy player who is this and then so they want to know about you and that that's something i think it's really nice 
yeah, you feel appreciated. It's like, wow, they, they know who I am and like they're interested in me and they, they are supporting me. And that's, that's, that's the best feeling as a player. And you, you always want to give back, like without the fans, you're weird. Like that's half of the game. So, but yeah, for sure. The Chelsea fans, they have been amazing. They have, I, I can really feel their support. The 12th sure. play, player. I think, yeah, they, yeah, they actually call themselves that. I think, think it's quite nice. I do. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a statement that's correct. Yeah. If you come to King's Meadow, you will like, you will agree with that. Whoever comes to King's Meadow. This or that five rapid fire questions. You don't get to think you just get to answer. Uh, saving a free kick or a penalty. A penalty for sure. Playing at King's Meadow or Stamford Bridge? King's Meadow all day. Going up 1v1 or diving towards the post to try to get a well-placed ball? 1v1. Getting a clean sheet where the ball barely reaches you or having a good game overall where you are active but might be letting in a goal? Clean sheet. The team did good. And that that wraps up this episode with Zechira Musovic. Thank you for being on. Away. Blue is the color. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 